say it like this. Run like the devil after you. You win every race. Yeah. <laughs> and won't let him stop us. Amen. We're going to go ahead and release our children for their classes. Amen. I know they were waiting. Amen. But I really want to keep them in here. See, what you can accomplish when you put your mind to it, when you, when you put God first, just stay focused. Amen. I remember talking to Deshaun in my office a couple of months ago, and he was, you know, struggling to put on some weight because the football and you know, all that. And, you know, I got to put on weight. I got to, you know, bulk up. And I told him, I said, you know you don't. Say, God made you lean and mean for a reason so you can run, amen, without all that hindrance. And now you found out that's where his place is, to run. Hallelujah. So we'll give everybody a chance to get their kids back there and get situated. This morning, we're not going to be long with you, unless the Lord say otherwise. Amen. Good to see you, Billy. <laughs> Amen. God bless you, man. Listen to that smiling face. Amen. Oh, you got someone with you there. Amen. We thank God for you being here. I thought somebody else came in here. I hadn't seen in a while also. Amen. We're going to keep on pressing. Anybody enjoying the fast yet? That was kind of weak. <laughs> you know? Amen. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of that this morning, if that's all right. Amen. Because truly, we want to get the full benefit out of what God has for us. Amen. So that we can walk and we can be the people that he wants us to be. We can shine the light. Amen. We can walk in the love of God. But first, you know, wow. First, we got to shed some stuff. Amen? As you grow, as you move forward, amen, you know, you got to shed some old stuff. You know, you, you know I, was, I was doing some work around the house yesterday, you know, and I walked into the bathroom and there's a little spider coming down right in the middle of the room from the skylight, you know, and I'm like, looking at him, and as soon as he saw me, he started scurrying right back up, you know, and I said, ah, got you, too late. And I grab the piece of tissue and I'm like, okay, you're done. You don't belong here. You know, but then I think about spiders, you know, and, you know, you can be cleaning up. And what you, what, sometimes you'll find the old skeleton or the exoskeleton of a spider. Amen. Or, or you find, you know, as you go out into the, the woods. I'm going somewhere with this. Everyone's like, hey, what are you talking about? But you might be out in the trees or in the woods and you'll, you'll, you'll come across the old skin of a snake. Okay? They say, this don't fit no more. In order for me to grow, I got to get rid of this. See, so if a spider is smart enough, and a snake is smart enough to shed some stuff as he progresses, as they grow, as they move on, how about you and me? Uh, do we have the wisdom to shed some stuff that's restricting us and restraining us from growing and being who God wants us to be, to get it off Amen, because this don't fit me no more, and it's hindering me. It's hindering my walk. It's hindering who I am in God. It's trying to make me look like the old person that I used to be, and I'm not going to look like the old person that I used to be no more. Amen. Sometimes you've got to get some stuff off of you. Amen. Sometimes it's, ooh, help me, Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's people that's restricting you. Oh, my, my. And maybe you've got to restrict and shed some people in your life. So you have the freedom to grow and the ability to move forward. 
Amen. If they're not going in the same direction that you're going, guess what? They're heading the wrong way if you're seeking God. You know, but from the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about a time to do all these things, but now is the time to fast. Amen. And God has called us as a body of living faith to this time and this season of fasting for specific reasons. Amen. And, you know, we, we've made many references to, I mean, there's so many references to fasting in Scripture. And even when you begin to, as I've been doing, digging, even digging into the history and, you know, the foundations of all these things. You know, but one thing is, is clear. Fasting is effective. When it's done properly, with understanding, amen, with the right motivation, amen. And we need to understand that fasting is not an ending of itself, amen. What fasting really does is it positions you so God can do what he already wants to do. Fasting, by fasting, you ain't going to make God do nothing. Let me make that clear. You, you're not going to twist God's arm, amen, you know, and, and, and get him to, 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 to tap out or cry uncle and say, okay, I'll do it. Fasting really puts you in a place. I was sharing with, with Elder Willie the other day talking about this. And I, fasting really puts you in a position that God can release what he's already been wanting and, and prepared to release into your life. Blessings and strength and health and finance and relationship, all those things. Amen. He wants to release already, but it, oftentimes we're like that child who won't clean their room or who won't do the dishes. Amen. Mom and daddy's already positioned to bless them. Mom and daddy already got in mind what they want to do in their life, but as long as that child is not keeping the things that he told that child to keep, if, if that child is not lining up with the basic things that have been asked as a family member, then they cut themselves off from what mom and dad is already able to do and willing to do for them. And the reason I put the emphasis on the basic things is because as we went over before, Jesus already told us, you, you do these things. Fasting is a basic element of the Christian walk. Amen. So when we couple that with our, our giving of ourselves and our resources and with our time in prayer, which are basic things of a Christian walk, Amen. Now we enter into what I talked about before is that, that threefold access, amen, to the supernatural ability of God. We put ourselves in a place to where he can move like he really wants to move, but we got to recognize that this is, you know, one of those things that oftentimes, you know, we don't really like to do. Our flesh kicks against it. It don't want to do it. Amen. Therefore, we don't want to do it. Because why? We don't want to upset our flesh. You know, you know, you know and food, yeah, help me. But going to the book of Jonah, we've talked about this story enough times. I think it's time to dig into it just a little bit. Amen? Jonah, the third chapter, I won't go through all the things that led up to this and, you know, all the things that Jonah had to overcome himself before he would do what God told him to do. You know, how we, we all have heard about Jonah being in the belly of the whale. And all that because, you know, God told him to go preach to the enemy. He didn't want to do it, so he went the wrong direction. But when the word came, look at Jonah, the third chapter, and we're going to start at verse number one. And the word of the Lord came to, unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In other words, he gave him another chance. Jonah, go do what I told you to do. All right? So Jonah arose and went 
unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter began to enter into the city a day's journey, and cried, saying, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now there's a lot in that right there. As it said, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. Now, oftentimes we've read that how Nineveh, it took three days to get to Nineveh. If you continue to read, it says he entered into Nineveh what? A day's journey. So what we said again is we said, okay, he got there in one day. But why did they make the expression that it's an exceeding great city? In other words, it's really telling us that it takes three days to journey across Nineveh. It's that big, and he went in a full day before he started crying and saying and preaching what he was supposed to preach. Nineveh was a large community. It was a walled city. It was great in its day. Nineveh, sometimes we get a picture of Nineveh as a little town, like the little town of Bethlehem. No, Nineveh was a metropolis. And it was a walled city that had a moat all the way around it that you couldn't really cross, and it was 60 feet deep. The walls of Nineveh were so huge that they used to have chariot races on the top of the wall. You get the picture? Nineveh did not fear anybody, any of its adversaries. Nineveh, anytime, even if their adversaries decided to attack the city, all they would do is close the gates and sit back. They had enough supplies stored up within the walls to last them for 20 years. Nineveh was a stronghold. Hello? So when we begin to think about what was going on here, I must ask a question. What strongholds have set themselves up in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situation? What strongholds, amen, that no matter what the attack, I'm not scared of what nobody say. I'm, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to handle it. This is, how, you, know, uh, you know, how we get. And we're not fearful of no man. You're your own man. You're your own woman and all that kind of stuff. You know, the strongholds that are there that will not be penetrated. But then one man walked into this stronghold under the authority of God. I want you to hear what I'm saying. And let's see what happens. I mean, really, they're not afraid of armies. But listen what happened. Amen. He said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him. In other words, he laid down his royalty. Come on. And covered his 
him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by a decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. In other words, he recognized, okay, we got some stuff going on. That's why the warning is coming. It's not like the king didn't know him, and because Nineveh was such a stronghold, don't mean they had everything together. They had all kinds of sin and, and, and debauchery going on within the walls of the city. And the king knew about it. I mean, they lived a lifestyle in the city that did not please God. That's why he was prepared to come and wipe out the entire city. Because they weren't living the way he wanted them to live. But yet they believed God. And because they got the proclamation that in 40 days, y'all going down. I don't know about you. Someone, if, a, if a man of God, a woman, a prophet came to me and said, in, in, in two days, the Lord said, he's taking you out. Are you going to just snub your nose? I mean, he gave him 40 days. He said, in 40 days, it's going to be over. So the king got wind of what was happening, and he sent forth a decree, everything going to pass, everybody. Don't, don't taste nothing. Don't put no water in your mouth. Amen. The cattle, the herds, don't feed nobody. He proclaimed the fast. Amen. Well, see, sometimes we, we think, okay, that don't really matter. But look, let's, let's look a little bit further. Amen. Because there was violence in their hands. But look what the king said in verse number 9. He said, who can tell if God, say if God. Now, he don't know. He ain't got no guarantee. Now, notice, he ain't got no guarantee. And this is the king that wasn't serving God. Okay? But he said, if God, say if God again. Now, what is your if God? If God would move in this area of my life, if God would do this, if God would change that. If, but it's going to take proclaiming something and doing something as unto the Lord. He said, if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not. Wow. God will repent. That means God will change his mind. Wow. And then notice verse number 10. And God saw their, uh-oh. It should say God saw their heart, right? No, it said, and God saw their works. Note that. Hmm. That they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil, and God repented of, I said, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Wow. The course was already set. The judgment was already spoken and sent forth. But when they heard a word, amen, and they decided that we're going to lay everything else aside. We're not going to make no excuses. 
Amen. The king didn't send out a decree and say, does this fit your schedule? None of that. He said, I believe he said effective immediately. Everybody's fast. And I believe immediately everybody obeyed the king. And because God saw what they did. Now, did all their hearts change immediately? Now, you just ask yourself, did your heart change immediately when you came to God? In every area of your life. But he saw their effort. He saw their works, the scripture says. And I know that, you know, I, I, I hear it going on in the mind. You're not saved by works. They were. But their work was to honor God. Their work was to humble themselves before him. Their work was to acknowledge their wrong and their shortcomings. Their work was to become obedient. Amen. And because God saw that, we see the scripture says that God repented of the evil that he intended to do unto them. Amen. And allow them to continue on. Now, did Nineveh stay on the same course? And the reason I say we, we know, amen, that their hearts didn't change because about a year, about a hundred years later, they were destroyed. But just think about this for a minute. Imagine if by you choosing to be obedient to fast, that you can change the course of your heritage for the next hundred years at least. Would you be willing to do it? If you could change the course of your life and your family for the better for the next 10 years by being obedient to a fact, would you do it? I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. I mean, so we never know what the effect, the long-term effects are going to be when we just say, yes, I will. I'm going to humble myself because God has a plan for my life. God has a purpose for everything that, that we're struggling with. And it, you know, it, I, I tell people all the time, nothing comes before you that God don't already know about. He's not caught by surprise by anything that comes against us. We are. But that's why we should be quick to call on God and say, Lord, help me right now. You know, because he already knows. He's got the answer. He's got the direction. He's got the way out. But we got to get to the place to trust him and to believe him. Now, I believe if, if, if a pagan king, amen, can call on God, amen, and, and proclaim a fast and get results, how much more should the children of God be able to call on that same God, amen, and, and, and do what he's asking us to do and get results? Sometimes we say, well, I just don't see the result. No, you, well, we got to check the heart. That's what we're going to deal with here in a minute. Because we know God. Amen? So therefore, we shouldn't have as much of a struggle doing what God is telling us to do in the scripture. And not because Apostle David said we're going to do it for 30 days. Let me make that clear. But doing it because it's what the word tells us to do. Amen? Beyond the 30 days. Amen? Because many, you know, oh goodness. Many of us would never fast unless someone told us to. And I think about the scripture who talks about that, whose God is their belly. And I'm not here to beat you up this morning. 
But I'm here to cause us to think, amen, because why? God wants us to be in a place with him that he can speak and he can move, amen, and we give ear and we're obedient and our lives magnify him and lift him up because there are so many people around us that don't know him. And when we live a lifestyle and uh, function in a way that does not magnify him, are we giving them hope? Are we giving them, you know, you know, a glimpse of where they could be? Or are they looking at us as Christians and saying, I don't want to be one of them. That's kind of miserable. No, we, we should be happy and blessed no matter the circumstances we're going through. God, I'm glad you gave me the strength to fight this fight. Because there's too many people dying without God. Too many people that don't know God. And we want to see, let me give by a show of hands, how many want God to use you to bring somebody to salvation? I think that would be all of us, right? Now let me see a show of hands of how many of you want to be the hindrance to cause someone to turn their back on God? Oh, by the lack of hands, I would think that's not us. Oh, and so if that's, we have that understanding, we got to choose how are we going to walk this thing out. And the only way we can really walk it out effectively is with God's help. Amen? Because in and of ourselves, we are weak and we fumble and, and we stumble and we fail. And yes, we do become a stumbling block. We, we do, amen, live a life that causes people to say, well, it must not be that much to it. But with his help, amen, and by his spirit, amen, we can live a life, amen, that would draw. He said, if I be lifted up, how do you lift him up? Just by your words? No, by your living. And then when people begin to ask you, how come you have some strength? How come you have such peace? How come you can deal with that like you do? Amen. You lift up the name of Jesus because of the God that I serve. Because now, because they want to see, they need to see an example, a true example, amen, of living for God. That should be you and me. Amen. So now we can draw people to him because our living, not just our words, are lifting him up. I'm sure many of us have met people who talk a good talk. But they don't walk a good walk. Amen? See, we want we want our, our walk to line up with our talk. Amen? But we got to start walking it first. Hallelujah. You know, I've heard it said, and most of you probably have too, you know, I'd rather see a good sermon than hear one any day. Amen? Now let's look over to our one of our passages for the, script, for the fast. Amen? Let's go to Isaiah 58. We like that one. That's that's the fast scripture. That's that's the, that 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 whole chapter, all verses one through fourteen, speak a lot. Amen. We're gonna start at verse number one. We're gonna spend a little time on this passage of scripture. Hmm. Everybody there? Isaiah fifty-eight. It says, "Cry." Aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob their sins. So he's talking to the heralds, and he's saying, cry loud. In other words, don't just whisper it. Don't just say it in the corners, in the marketplace, but go into the streets and, and scream it with a strong voice. Amen. Lift up, amen, and tell them, amen, and show them their transgressions. Show them. Amen, their ways, their rebellion, all the things that's going on. But he's saying cry loud. See, the problem today is not enough people are crying loud, amen, and showing. Notice he didn't say the ch 
church, I mean, not the world, but he says, show my people the transgression of their ways. You see, we got too many times, too many pastors, too many preachers, amen, that's not crying loud enough. You know, we're, we're, we've got a lot of pastors, amen, preaching more about grace than repentance. And they say, get enough grace, you don't have to repent. Just walk in grace. Grace we need, but we also need to repent. We also need to change. We don't want to continue to con- and continue and continue to walk. Every day I got to repent because, you know, I mean, I got to, you know, call on God for more grace because there's things I'm doing that I know I need to repent for, but I've been told I don't need to repent. No. We, 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 the pendulum has swung too far to the wrong side. Amen. And because of that, people are going to miss out. Amen. They, we, we try to be a witness. What are we going to tell people? But we can't tell them to repent because we don't repent. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me move on. Mm. But he says, show them, amen, the house of Jacob. He's talking about the Israelites. He's talking about his people. He said, cry loud and spare not. Amen. Don't, don't hold back, but lift up your voice and show them. Amen. But the second verse says, yet they seek me daily. And delight to know my ways as, 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 now notice the emphasis there, because if you don't read that right, you'll get confused. He said, as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They call on me and they seek me as if that's how they're living. That's what he's saying. As if they were doing righteousness, as if they forsook, didn't forsake the ordin- my ordinances, but... The contrary is that's exactly what they're doing, and they're still calling on him, wondering why they're not getting an answer. Look what it says. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, they say, say they, and thou seest not. He said they, they say they do all these things, and then they turn on the fast and say, God, why ain't you answering us? Why aren't we seeing any results of our past? Why, why aren't you, you responding to us? Therefore, wherefore, they asked him another question. Now they're talking to God. Wherefore have you afflicted our souls and thou takest no knowledge? In other words, you're not paying no attention, God. You're doing all these religious acts. Hello. But we're not getting no response. God is saying that's all it is. It's a religious act. I know where your heart is. I know where your mind is. I know what you're doing. Say, behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye, ye shall not fast as you do this day. In other words, you're fasting, but you're still fussing. You're still not getting along with each other. You're still pointing the finger. You're still placing blame. You're still grumbling and complaining about everything else. You still can't relate. And that's why he's letting them know. He said, you shouldn't fast like this. So, And why am I going down this road? Because as we go further into this fast, I want us to do it the right way. Not still having all this stuff going on in our hearts and in our minds, amen, toward other people, amen. I don't care if they saved or unsaved. 
We can't have all this on the inside and think we're going to get results from God, amen, because he's a righteous God. And as we fast, we need to be saying, Lord, purge my heart. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my spirit, amen, so I can be a light, so I can't walk like you want me to walk, so I can be willing to, uh uh-oh, I can be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. I can be willing to defer to my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife, amen, for righteousness' sake. I can know how to hold my peace. I can know how to walk in love and reconciliation and forgiveness. I don't have to withdraw myself from my, my wife for a few days or hold my silence and just, you know, you know how sometimes we get. I'm, I'm saying the husband because, you know, a lot of times we say it's the wife. You know, but sometimes it's the husband. And we've seen some, amen, they'll, they'll punish you for four or five days and not say a word to you. He says, mm-hmm. That's not God. That's ungodly behavior. That's, you know, I, I'll take it to another level. Amen. That's immature behavior. That's a grown person throwing a tantrum because he or she couldn't get their way. So we throw our little tantrums and say, well, I'm just holding my peace. Grow up. Learn how to speak what's on your heart in love, as the Bible says. You know, to go to, as the Bible says. See, we, we make all these little platitudes that make it sound spiritual, but it's not. Am I violating the scripture over here to, to, to use this saying to my advantage? No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Amen? But he's letting them know, amen, you shouldn't fast as you do this day to make your voice be heard on high. It's, it's such a fast that I have chosen. In other words, is this what I'm looking for? Is this what I'm expecting? So when we're fasting and, and we're praying and we're in the word, we got to ask ourselves, are we presenting to God what he's really looking for? Or is this the best we're willing to give him? Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I knew y'all wasn't going to be shouting today. Hallelujah. But I feel stood still. Thank God for his word. Amen. But he said, is this what I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes over him? Notice. Ain't that what the king of Nineveh did? Uh Uh-oh. Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day unto the Lord? What he's telling them is, will you put on a show, amen, to make yourself look humble? But you're really not humble. You'll put on and do all these things, amen, to, to, to make it look good. You know, I, I said before, you know, when you're fasting, it's your day and someone's speaking to you. I'm going through today. Maybe you don't have on sackcloth and ashes, but you've got a continence that makes you look like, you know, you ain't eight in a week. Moving slow. Every time someone comes right, don't get that away from me. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. You know, and we, we kind of put on those shows rather than just go on with your day like nothing else is happening. Amen. And be willing, amen, to, to suck it up for him. Tell your flesh to shut up. Quit whining. Amen. Because your spirit man don't need no food. It's all about the flesh. I say it's all about the flesh. Amen. And we, we don't want to serve the flesh. Amen. 
we need to know how to take care of our flesh. But we don't serve the flesh. Amen. So he said, well, you call this an acceptable day of the Lord? Then the sixth verse, now we make an adjustment. We make a shift here. Okay? He said, it's not this the day. It's not this the fast, excuse me. I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness. Now watch what's happening here. Unto, to undo heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke. Do you notice this, there's a shift taking place? It's taking the focus off of you. And it's putting the focus on those around you. It's got to start with you, but it doesn't be, it, there's a shift. It's not, not because why. We want to break the yoke. We want to be able to look beyond ourselves when we're walking in this spiritual walk and condition with God and say, how can I help somebody else? How can I, I, I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I make myself available to be the hands and the feet of God? Amen. And how can I make my, my voice be heard for him? As we would get to that place, amen, to, to break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to what? To your house. Uh-oh. Watch out. Say, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about me? What about me? I'm doing this. Oh, I'm in the desert for myself. No, you're not. You start with you, but then you, you open your eyes and you begin to see like he sees and you begin to love like he loves and have compassion like he has. See, one thing that happens is when you get your eyes off of you, you begin to realize your problems ain't big as you thought they were. You know, the only reason they seem so big is because they're in your face. But if you just begin to look beyond your problems, amen, you begin to see that you have something that you can bless somebody else with. Amen. And you begin to see also that you are very blessed of yourself. And I said, oh, how often, amen, if you was to trade problems of somebody else, you probably want yours back. Real fast. Why? Because yours are custom made for you, just like theirs are custom made for them. You can handle what you have, whether you want to handle it or not. You can handle it, but you can't handle what somebody else is going through. You say, well, we're going through the same thing. Oh, not necessarily. You don't know their background. You don't know their makeup. You don't know their psychological, you know, so you can't say we're going through the same thing. It may be similar, but, friend, it's seldom, seldom identical. We don't know what it is, the toll that is taken on that person. But here's the good news. God does. And when we put ourselves in a position to be a blessing, when we put ourselves in a position, amen, to help them, he's already equipped us to be able to help them. If we would just get our eyes off of ourselves and, and begin to do it like he said, bring the hungry, feed the poor, clothe the naked. Amen. When was the last time we really focused on helping somebody else? That's our first prayer. Help me, Lord. Oh, my, my, my. Look what it says. And that thou hidest not thyself from thine own flesh. And I seen that as I was looking at that and reading on that one. I'm like, wow. Two things we can look at here. Don't don't hide yourself from yourself. How, you know how sometimes we, we can hide our own weaknesses. We can hide our own issues. We can, in other words, we, we walk in denial. 
because we don't want to face the truth. Amen. That is me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Amen. And then the other side is don't hide yourself from your own flesh. Amen. The flesh and blood that's all around you. You ain't got time for nobody else because it's all about you. You know, so you can't, you can't be a blessing whether they're a family member or somebody that needs God. Amen. Sometimes we hide ourselves from them. You have what they need. You have the answer. You have the remedy. You have the words of salvation in your mouth. And we got to make up our minds, amen, that you know what? I don't care what I'm going through. I want somebody else to know God. And when we raise that focus, when we raise that level, don't let me be the one to get in the way. Let me be the one to show them the way. That's what we got to decide, people. Like, hey, God wants to use us. He wants us to be his hands and his feet, amen, wherever we go. But if we're so focused on ourselves, get this, we're stumbling over ourselves. Rather than allowing him to use us like he wants to use us. Say, help me, Holy Ghost. Somebody won't even say it. Wow. But he said, if we do these things, if we get the focus off of us, as we're fasting like he wants us to fast, the woe is me, Lord, I'm not eating today. I'm afflicting this soul. I'm humbling myself. So now that I'm work walking in this way, who can I bless? Who can I speak to? Who can I help? A lot of times we, when we're in the middle of a fast, I'm going to conserve my energy. I'm going to sit at home all day. And if I can get by it, I'm going to stay in bed all day. That's not what he called us to. He called us to get up. Wash your face. I mean, there's a lot of scriptures I could go to today, you know. And, you know, comb your hair. Go out there and let God use you. Let God speak through you. Be a light. This is not this is not a time for us to be, you know, hiding under a bush. Right now, your light should be beaming bright. Why? Because by that point, you should be walking in the Holy Spirit. Walking in his ways, Amen. Because then it gets to the eighth verse. He said, "Then shall thy light break forth as the as the morning, and thy health, look out now, shall spring forth speedily." Uh oh, you mean when I when I start fasting and I start you know really seeking God and I start making myself available to be a blessing to other people like God is telling me to? Notice what I said. Like God is telling, not like you want to. Sometimes when we're doing it of our own accord, we're doing it to get our own blessing. Amen. And you're not doing what God said. But he said, I, I begin to do that, and all of a sudden, even my health comes forth. Amen. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. In other words, we say, God will have your back if you just do it this way. You just follow him. So as we're going through this time and this season, say, Lord, take me to another level. Take me to the next level. So that I can be a light. Amen. So that I can show others who don't know you the way to know you. So I can be able, amen, to take what resources you've given me and realize that they're not just for me. But somebody else needs you. Somebody else needs to hear these things. Then shall thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here am I. And thou shalt take, if thou shalt take away from the midst of now he makes another switch. He's helping us to see some of the hindrances again. He says, you take from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth 
of the finger and speaking vanity. Wow. In other words, he said, you know what? Even as I was researching some of this, it said back in back in history, the old days of old, putting forth of the finger, pointing the finger, was a part of an official accusation against somebody. Mm-hmm. Why do you think in court they don't just say, can you say their name? Or do you see them in the courtroom? He said, can you point them out? You did it. Elder Blackburn, he's what he said right there. You know, when we point that finger, that's a, a formal accusation. But see, we, we do it without pointing the finger. We'll, we'll, we'll blast them on Facebook. You're pointing the finger on for electronic, you know, you know, or, or you'll you'll sit down around the coffee table or at your 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 your, your buddy's house, you know, and point the finger, and they're not even there. But why do they do it like they do it? Why? I mean, the reason they did that is because you have a right, according to the word and the law, to face your accuser, face to face. So if I'm gonna put my finger in his face and say you the one that did it, he's got a at that point, he has the opportunity to challenge what I'm saying. Say, no, that's not the way it went down. That's not what happened. You know, but see, we like to accuse people in their, when I say we, please hear me, I'm generalizing. And if the shoe hits you or the rock hits you, don't scream. Okay. But, you know, we like to accuse people in their absence. We like to accuse in, you know, a certain setting. So they don't have an opportunity to rebut what you said. But that does not go along with the word because the word tells us otherwise. Amen. Every word should be judged. Amen. So let me get off of that. Trying to help us, amen. But that's what he's saying. Get those things out, speaking vanities and, and putting forth the finger. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, amen, and if and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity. In other words, if you just start doing the work of God, you're going to shine. Amen? No matter what else is going on, no matter what the enemy's trying to bring against you, if you just don't start doing his work. You know, one thing I, I learned over the years about serving God and living for him, if I just keep putting God first, he has an uncanny way, but a very godly way, of taking care of my problems, answering my issues, helping me to overcome things because I put my focus on him. I put my energy toward him. And he comes by and he comes alongside. And before I know it, what was an issue is no longer an issue no more. Things that I, you know, I may have tried to work on for a long time by myself, getting nowhere. But then when I let it alone and gave it to God and started doing what he said do, next thing you know, that situation is happening. If we would just trust him, amen, and come to him. You know, God died for every single one of us. He made a way, amen, that, that we might be able to be in a relationship with him. Amen. And all we got to do is accept him. And once we do that, now we got to begin to operate according to the way he wants us to represent him in the earth. Now think about, you know, my grandson or even my son. If you work all the time to try to qualify and, and you want to be in the NFL and you finally get accepted in the team, you did all the work. But now once you get there, you don't want to do nothing they told you to do. You know, you, you'd have made it through training camp, but after now you think, well, I signed the contract now. I'm on. Don't you know they will get rid of you so quick? Uh, why? Because, you know, you qualified to get on the team. When you came and gave your life to Christ, you qualified to get, you know, to become a son 
a child, a daughter of God, but once you become and you come in, now you want to call the shots. Now you don't want to obey the things that he's asking of you in his word, and then we want to see the results of his word in our lives. Survey says it doesn't work that way. We got to come in alignment, people. We got to get to a place that we trust him and we believe him so that now we begin to see the manifestation of his word operating in our lives. I want to see it. I want to see, I want to see more. Let me say it like that. I want to see more of it because I've seen quite a bit of it over the years, but I'm not nearly seeing what we should be seeing by this point. Amen. So as we press in and we trust God and we break off the yokes and we lay aside all these things, amen, that come to hinder, amen, and we stop, you know, questioning everything God is doing and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you said do. I'm going to walk in the things that you said walk. I'm going to be obedient to your word. I'm going to learn how to go to. I'm going to learn how to forgive. I'm going to learn how to walk in obedience to, to your word. I'm going to respect and have honor one towards another. We're just going to do these things. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to forgive. If we just purpose to do these things, it's not hard. You know, let me take that back. I said it's not hard. When you operate in the flesh, it's hard. Okay? But when you choose to operate in the spirit and you choose to crucify the flesh, it's not hard at all. But you got to be, the hard part is crucifying the flesh, Elder Blackburn. Amen. The hard part is getting this thing that's been in charge and running the show so long out the way. Amen. And no, I've been hurt. I've been through this. I've been through, and I ain't not going to let nobody. So I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to get them before they get me. You know that, you know, we got that kind of mentality going on. And you have not yielded and surrendered to God yet. That's where you're going to stay. In that same old place, amen, and wondering why I can't get no further. No, you want to go further, but I can't get no further because I won't give up that place to God. And we got to say, you know what? If I die, I'm going to die obeying God. Oh, my goodness. We trust everything else, but do we trust God to that level? Do we trust God all the way? No matter what. As our heart single toward him. I, I'm just, you know, we got to ask ourselves that. We are not in here just to be. You didn't give your life to Christ, amen, to fail. Right? But things that continue to be the same way for you to be the same way. I don't think so. But we got to choose to say, you know what, God, I came to you, or I need to come to you, whatever the case might be. But when I do, I want you to use me. I want to know that whatever comes against me, and things will come against me, but I want to know that when they come against me, I can depend upon you. I want to know that even when trouble comes, as you said in Matthew, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want to know when the trouble of this life hits me, I have someone to call on that's greater than any man or woman on the planet. That can give me the peace that I'm able to have in the midst of my storm, and you will have storms. 
I'm not going to stand here and tell you you ain't going to have no storms. Oh, no. I mean, since we began this fast, I, I've heard several different reports about things that have come against people. Amen. The things that people were going through. Amen. And once we entered into the fast, they began to see a change, a shift. They see God's grace over situations. One couple I've been talking to for the last couple of months on the verge of divorce, separated, split up. You know, the first day of the fast, I get a phone call and say, things are changing. You know, we need to recognize, amen, that God knows. Amen. And, and definitely praying for them, praying for, you know, so many situations, amen, testimonies that have come to me that, like, wow. You just had to sit back and watch the grace of God. Ain't that right, Tiffany? Just watch God move. Situation that could have been crazy, but just, well, thank God. She was telling me about her testimony and said, I just held my peace. I thank God for the fast because I was able to hold my peace. Without the fast, I might not have held my peace. You know? <laughs> but I just held my peace and I seen God move in the whole situation. You know, if we just understand, if we, what I said before, if we just step out there and trust Him. Trust him and watch what he'll do. But if we don't step out there, we got to deal with the situation. But if we say, God, I give it to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you and watch you have your way. We will be amazed and then we'll be ready to give our testimony. But look what God did. One of the strength, amen, the ability that I had that I know I wouldn't have had otherwise if I wouldn't have crucified this flesh. Sometimes we don't want to put this flesh on the altar. Let's just be real. Even though the Bible say, you know, present your body, body, body. I want to get that. A living sacrifice. He didn't say your spirit. He said sacrifice this body. Because this body is what's going to mess us up if we don't get it under control. Amen. We got to keep this body on the altar. And fasting is one of those things that puts it on the altar. And it goes to wiggling and jerking and everything else. And, and we think it's us. No, that's that body. you killing that body. you you crucifying that flesh so that you can walk in the spirit like God wants you to. I can't fast. No, you know, if you didn't have no food, what would you do? I'm going to eat some dirt. No, you know. See, we, we have all these things and reasons why we can't. But the very, I'm trying not to go down that road, Lord. But the very God that we're going to call on when we broke is the one that's telling you, can you push back while you got plenty? Can you sacrifice some time for me while you got plenty? Oh. Y'all mighty quiet this morning. That's a great, that's a good thing, right? Why? Because I'm talking, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not here to beat you up. Like I said, I want us to get understanding. I want us to hear, amen, because I don't know about you, but I have some great expectations. Amen? And I believe the more that we press in and the more we come together collectively, the greater we're going to see the manifestations of God. And in your personal lives, I mean, because we already, like I said, well, I'm already seeing it in personal lives. Of those who who say yes, I'm going. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to believe you. Job offers are coming. Amen. Different, different things. That, you know, just if we just say, Lord, I give it to you. Uh, I'm watching. Amen. I know everything that comes my way don't come your way, but I'm hearing and I'm watching and I'm seeing and I'm saying thank you, God, for what you've already done. 
you know, we're already only seven days in, amen, but yet you're still showing yourself strong already. Imagine by the time we get to 15 days. Imagine when the 20-day point come around, you might be the one ready to shout. Amen. And by the time we wrap it up, amen, and be ready to continue on, what's, what's God going to do? What is, your, what is your level of expectation, amen? You know, it, it's going to be directly related to what you put in. Amen? We got we to decide. Amen. Look at what this next verse is, amen. I like the 12th verse. I can't stop, you know, but just, hmm. Hallelujah. He said, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of what? Many generations. What did I say? Your fasting and your obedience, you're setting the stage for generations to come. This is just not no small thing when we understand what God has called us to do, and not just for this 30 days, but, but perpetually taking the time to, to fast and to pray and to be before him. Amen. We're setting a foundation for generations to come of how to walk before God. We live in an age now where Christianity is becoming maybe, you know, less of a fad than anything else. And, yes, I use that word correctly. Amen. Because people are jumping on board with any and everything. And they're pulling away from the structured church. Why? Because the world says, oh, you don't need to do all that. It don't take all that. But when my Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, we see the falling away because the world is enticing. Amen. And this self, oh, I got it. I can do that for myself. Okay, show me that in the Word. You know, yeah, you got an understanding of the Word, but he, his body... Could you imagine if your body parts just start saying, I can handle this by myself? That just sounds ridiculous, don't it? Uh, but yet, we choose, amen, and we see more and more people choosing to say, well, I don't need that. I don't need, I don't find that in the Word of God. Well, I was thinking this morning, even as I was getting dressed, I said, wow, you know, I was, we went to a, a conference here a few months ago, and one of the things the pastor told Said from the pulpit, senior pastor. You know, many of you would know him if I said his name. Amen. Get rid of your suits. Tell them. Get rid of them. And that kind of hit me. I, I, I was thinking this morning, just meditating on some things. I said, now, if sportcasters can dress to talk about a pigskin ball and two teams running back and forth, if the newsman going to put on a suit just to talk about the weather that God created, uh, if politicians are going to put on suit just to lie to them, <laughs> you know, everybody else is presenting their profession well, well, representing well, but more and more we see the pulpit turning into muscle shirts, skinny jeans. Shorts, spiked hair, following the trends of the world. I got a problem with that. Because when I begin to think about the scriptures, when God told them how to dress, how he wanted his priests and his Levites to dress, border garments and jewels and the ephod that had the jewels on it to represent in wealth and in beauty and in his glory, but yet, 
we see the trend going a whole different way. That bothers me. I don't, maybe it's just my pet peeve. You know, I'm not cool enough. I don't got no hair to spike anyway, so maybe that's the thing. You know, but I see the trends going the wrong way, even in God's house, because we're not honoring him. We've gotten to the point that we want to honor the flesh. We want to be trendy with the flesh and what's going on in the world so we can draw in the world. But we're not changing them from the world. We've got to ask ourselves, amen, where do we draw the line? And that's what I believe fasting and prayer in our own lives and ministry and everything else will keep us lined up with God and not lining up with what we see going on around us in the world. He said you will be peculiar people. Now it's gotten to the point the preacher that's in the suit is peculiar. Amongst everybody else, I'm gonna stay peculiar. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be strange. But we gotta ask ourselves what's going on in our nation around us. If we don't pull the blinders off, if we don't step back and begin to look at things spiritually, and we're not gonna look at things spiritually until we get closer and closer to God. And that's one of the things that fasting and prayer does it, it keeps us closer to him. We can watch the news and, you know, we can hear the reports and we can talk about everything, but the question is, what are we doing about it? He talks about bringing the poor into your house, clothing the naked, being his functional body. Fasting and prayer is going to break down your flesh so you can become available to God. So you can get the focus off of you. I'm not happy. You know, that's where we go. You know, it's about me. I just want to be, a, if I get happy, then I can help somebody else. Give it up. If you get holy, you can help somebody else. Huh? Stop trying to be happy. Happy is a is, 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 is a myth because it's fleeting. It comes and it goes. Dejan's happy today, but when the boy comes along that can run a, a 5.0, happy going to be gone. We got to watch that. Oh, 1.5, I'm sorry. 1.5. I didn't walk around that time. Hallelujah. So I hope you hear what I'm saying. Look what it says, the rest of that verse. It says, and thou shalt be called what? The repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in. See, when we do it his way, he said, all these broken places, all these breaches of God's word and relationship, he said, you become the repairer of the breach. You become the one, amen, that lays the right path to walk in. But it's going to take fasting. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take obeying God. It's going to take crucifying this flesh and not making every excuse why we can't. Because you ain't got to look far for an excuse. No. Mm -mm. The flesh will give you one itself. I got a cramp. Real quick. But oh, no. You need to have a cramp. You're not in charge. Amen. Need to rise up. Amen. A builder of the waste places. Amen. The the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure 
on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight. In other words, he said, we, we, you know, we, we put everything even on the Sabbath. Well, I, well, I, I ain't got time. We're going to do our own thing. Lord well, tired of us doing our own thing. It's time for us, it's his body, to do what he wants us to do. To operate in his ways, amen. Doing your own delight and call it what a holy day is what he said. That's what it's supposed to be, holy to the Lord. Amen. Honorable, honoring him. And shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways. You know, I'm going to do me. Hello. I know those are those, there, there are those in our midst that has made that statement and meant it. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. It's my time. My day. Tired of doing everybody else. Imagine if Jesus, when you need him, he said, well, today is my day. I'm just going to do me for the next week. Uh, I'll come back, check back with you. That would, that would be a sad state of affairs, wouldn't it? Huh? Mm-mm. He said, but doing your own ways, nor find, finding thine own pleasure and speaking, ooh, nor speaking thine own words. What did God say? You know, that's why a lot of times people tell me, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there. My first question most of the time is going to be, what did God say? I heard what you said. You heard what you said. But have you heard from God? Because I'm the, I'm the kind of person, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to go nowhere, I'm not going to do nothing unless I hear from God. Huh? Because I know there's a safe place by doing that, amen, by listening to him. He said in the 14th verse, I'm almost done. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Remember how they were trying to delight in him before at the beginning? And they said, we're not getting no results. You're not hearing us. You're not responding to God. You're not doing what I'm saying. Doing stuff. That's why you're not hearing nothing from me. He said, but if you do these things, if you fast like this, if you make yourself available to others like this, amen, if you become a repairer of the breaches, then you're going to hear from me. As he said, then you shall delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it so he's looking for our obedience our willingness because when he, even when he talks about riding on the high places it was common back then to build a house on a hill or not a house a city on the hill because it's easily defended you can see the enemy coming and what he's saying I'm going to put you in a place where you can be easily defended you can, you can see the adversary when he's coming your way you know, I'm going to set you up on high, amen, so you don't be blindsided so easily and so quickly by the devices of the enemy. If you would just do it my way, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to open your eyes. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that called us to salvation. This is the God that, that came and embodied himself in, in flesh and went to the cross and died for you and I. Don't marginalize what he's done for us. Amen, because when we do that, we minimize what we need to do for him. But when we recognize that it wasn't just his son, or we read the word, amen, but he said, he's God and man. And he got on the cross for us so that we, we could live for him. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he desires of each and every one of us. Let's stand. Calling us to a higher level.
calling us to walk in a way, amen, that, you know, it requires more sacrifice, more obedience, more willingness on our part to say, yes, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. This is what he's calling for. Amen. And I believe the time is now, amen, that we rise and say, yes, Lord, I will. Time out for the excuses. Y'all heard me say it before. Some of us are going to excuse our way right out of heaven. Right out of his will. Let me say it like that. Amen. We're going to say, Lord, bless me. Help me to get back. No, we can get there and stay there. Amen. Because, you know, your, 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 your stay in heaven is going to be short-lived if you do it right.